Aloha, this is Pastor Perry, and I want to thank you for joining us online to study the Word of God together. We pray that you will be blessed as the Holy Spirit ministers to you through this message and through God's Word. Today we're reading from Matthew 28, verses 1 through 6. That's Matthew 28, 1 through 6. And now after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And his appearance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. The guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who has been crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, just as he said. Come, see the place where he was lying. Julie, thank you for doing our reading today. Would you pray with me as we ask God's Spirit to speak to us through his word? Let's pray. Lord, what a joy it is to be able to celebrate you, to put a smile on your face, for you to celebrate us and to put a smile on our faces. And we invite the Holy Spirit now to be our teacher, for him to use us, to use me, to use the people watching online, Lord, as we hear this message and then live out the message and share the beauty of Easter with those around us. Lord, we join the Christians throughout the world as well as throughout the ages celebrating the resurrected Christ today. Thank you that we have come to know him and can celebrate him. And it's in his resurrected, life-giving name that we offer our prayers today. Amen. On December 17, 1903, man achieved the seemingly impossible. He flew. For a full 12 seconds... Orville Wright flew in a plane that cost him $1,000 to build, and it was the first time man had flown in a motorized craft in the air. And what was impossible became possible. But as years have gone by, the possible now has become the ordinary, and it's estimated that there are upwards of 5 million people flying every single day. The impossible, made possible, became ordinary. On July 20th, 1969, some of us are old enough to remember that day, the centuries-old dream of man going to the moon was fulfilled, and Neil Armstrong was the first man ever to set foot on the moon, leaving his footprint there for posterity. The impossible, going to the moon, had been made possible. But the possible has been kind of ordinary. If you ask people how many times you've been to the moon and how many men have been to the moon, probably most people don't know that there have been 12 men who have walked on the moon. And if you ask them, well, who was the last man to walk on the moon who actually wrote his daughter's initials in the moon dust? They might still be there. 
And unless your name is Eugene Cernan, you might not know the name of the man who was the last man to walk on the moon. Why? Because the impossible became possible, and then to us it became rather ordinary. Think of microwave cooking, <laughs> something that most of us take for granted, but the microwave didn't become a practical reality until the 1970s when the possibility of cooking without heat became possible. But now it's become rather ordinary. I don't know if you've read about the first microwave oven, but it was invented in 1947. It was six feet tall. It weighed 750 pounds, and it had to be up, hooked up to liquid plumbing to cool it. It cost $5,000, and that was in $1947. If you put it in $2022, that's equivalent to $64,000 for one microwave that would take up your entire kitchen. The impossible has been made possible, and the possible now has become ordinary. And what's true in the scientific realm, unfortunately, can be true in the religious realm as well. The thought of someone raising from the dead seems impossible. And Jesus made it possible. And yet over the years, it can become somewhat ordinary to us to celebrate Easter or even not to celebrate Easter because it seems so ordinary. I remember years ago reading one of those comic strips and uh, it had a pastor, and he was outside his little church with the steeple and the cross and had one of those signboards on it that said, Welcome Easter Sunday. And it's after the service, and everybody's leaving, and he's shaking people's hands. And there's this one visitor, you know, the kind of person that would come every Easter. And he looks at the pastor and says, Pastor, I think you're in a rut. You preach the same theme every year that I come. <laughs> well, no kidding. <laughs> I'm glad that the Easter story never changes, but unfortunately, it tends to become ordinary. The impossible was made possible, and we made it ordinary. I mean, think of it. Good has defeated evil. Wrongs have been made right. Forgiveness replaces guilt. Peace has been exchanged for anxiety and worry and fear and dread. And life has sprung from death. We should praise God for the message of Easter. He is risen. I was watching a, a newscast some time ago when the newscaster described Easter as the greatest day in the Christian calendar. And I would take issue with that. Oh, not that it's wrong, but it's incomplete. It's more than the greatest day in the Christian calendar. It is the greatest day. You see, Easter is a great day whether you're a Christian or not. Whether you realize it's a great day or not, it's still a great day. Easter is the quintessential event of all human history. Whether you're a believer or an unbeliever. Whether you're a Christian or an atheist whether you're a Muslim or a Jew, whether you're a pantheist, a pagan, or a Wiccan, Easter is the greatest day in human history. Now, not everybody views it the same. 
Some people think it's amazing that the impossible has been made possible. Others think it's an ordinary day or they neglect it or think it's only just a Christian holiday. But Easter is an event of such magnitude that it literally shook the earth. In the passage that was read earlier in Matthew chapter 28, one of the accounts of the Easter story, it starts in verse 1. It says, now late on the Sabbath, that would be our Saturday to Sunday, in between that time, late Saturday night, early Sunday morning, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week. That's why we celebrate Easter at the sunrise service in commemoration of this. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. When you read the story, there's Mary and there's Mary. And sometimes you think, I think there's another woman that could be named Mary. There are a lot of Marys there. And then verse 2, and behold, a severe earthquake had occurred. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone, and he sat upon it. I love it. It's like the resurrection has happened, and there's been a stone there. And as we learned at the sunrise service, that stone had a seal on it, a Roman seal with ropes and clay and a seal. And that seal, under pain of death by crucifixion, could not be broken. And so this angel breaks the law on that first Easter. I mean, the resurrection was illegal. And the stone is pushed out of the way, and the angel sits on it, kind of like going, hump, so there. And the guards see all that. And the ground has been shaking. And the first people to witness the resurrection were unbelievers, unbelievers. One of the things that happened at Easter with this earthquake, it reminds us that Easter affects all of creation. We think of it as a day where Christ's body was resurrected, as a picture that someday will be resurrected, but all of creation gets resurrected. We're told in, in Romans chapter 8 that all of creation right now is suffering and groaning because of our sin. That the world wasn't to be this bad. It was to be a lot better. And creation is waiting eagerly, Romans 8 tells us, for the resurrection, the redemption of you and me. All the world gets resurrected. The resurrection of Jesus Christ has paved the way for plants and animals and you and me to be changed forever. No one and nothing is unchanged by Easter. But exactly how Easter changes people or touches Easter depends on your response, how you respond. And not everyone responds the same. And so I have to ask you, how have you responded to the message of Easter? Think back to the first witnesses of the resurrection at Easter. The very first witnesses were unbelievers. They were Roman guards who were being paid to keep the resurrection from happening. Their job was to make sure that a dead man didn't leave the tomb. That was their job. And the angel shows up, and we continue to read in verse 3, and his appearance of this angel was like lightning and his garment as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him, and became like dead men. The first witnesses to the resurrection are these Roman guards guarding the tomb. And as they're watching, this angel shows up, and he sits on the stone. He rolls it away. He sits on the stone, and he's shining in light. And these guards, keep in mind, are pagans in the true sense of the word. They worship gods like Apollo, the god of light. And so he sees this 
humanoid figure in light, and they might think it's their god, Apollo, coming. This is a religious experience for them. It's the biggest religious experience they've ever seen. They have to decide, what does this mean? And then some women come, some disciples, and they come as well. And they see an empty tomb. And the women leave the tomb to proclaim the good news of Easter, and the guards leave the tomb to tell the bad news of Easter, which was exactly the same news. He is risen. Notice verse 11, it says, now while the women were on their way to tell the good news, we saw some of the guards came to the city and reported to the chief priests all that happened. They told them the bad news. <laughs> the tomb is empty. The tomb we were guarding, the thing we were trying to keep from happening, it happened. And when they had assembled with the elders and counseled together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers and said, you are to say his disciples came by night and stole him away while you were asleep. And if this should come to the governor's ears, we will win him over and keep you out of trouble. And they took the money and did as they had been instructed. And the story was widely spread among the Jews and is to this day. I love the irony. Of all the proofs of the resurrection, one of the greatest proofs of the resurrection is the lie given about the resurrection. They had to be paid to lie to say the resurrection didn't happen. Now, they're supposed to tell the story that they fell asleep. Well, you probably heard that for a Roman guard to fall asleep, the penalty would be death. They would be stripped of their clothes and they would be tied to a stake, and their clothes would be used to start the fire that would burn them at the stake. They must have been paid a lot of money to take this risk, to lie and to risk their lives to deny the resurrection story. I'm thinking these guards knew something spectacular had happened. I mean, they'd never guarded a dead man's tomb to keep him from escaping before, I don't think. But they were. And whatever they knew, they knew this man had something to do with the Jewish people because it was the Jewish leaders who had said, guard the tomb to make sure no one tries to steal the body and the body doesn't disappear. And they heard a loud rumbling with the earthquake. They saw the light. They saw the rocks flying off the cliff. They were frightened to the core. They fell like dead men. And as they watched, the angel pushed aside a two-ton stone. And they had to decide, what does this mean? Will I believe the truth that I saw, or will I be deceived and support a lie? Unbeknownst to them, they were eyewitnesses of the greatest event in human history. The impossible had been made possible. One thing about rising from the dead, you can't just give it a good college try. You can't just halfway rise from the dead. You can't like, well, I almost made it, or I sort of did it, or is he resurrected or not? You either are or you're not. It's not halfway. 
You can't partially rise from the dead. And Jesus did so, and there was no question about it. But these men were paid when they said, he is risen. They were paid not to say, he is risen indeed. The tomb was empty except for the grave clothes. No one had gone in. No one had gone out. He was just plain gone. And while these brave, strong, rugged soldiers sat there frozen trying to figure out what happened, some dainty Jewish scowls walked right past them into the tomb. And it says in verse 5, And the angel answered and said to the women, Don't be afraid. For I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said, come see the place where he is lying and go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. And the women departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to report it to his disciples. Two groups of eyewitnesses of Easter. The women saw the impossible made possible, and she shared, they shared the truth, the story. They believed. The Roman soldiers saw the impossible made possible, and they denied it. They lied about it, and they made it less than ordinary. Each of us must decide what we're going to do with the Easter story. And our eternal destiny depends on what we believe about the Easter story and what we believe about Jesus, the center of that story. The Romans guards, in verse 11, it says, they told people all that happened. You say they believed the facts, but they didn't believe in the man. The fact you're here on Easter or watching online Easter means you believe in the facts. But the question is, do you believe in the man? It's not enough to know that Jesus died and rose again. You have to know he did it for you as an individual. It has to be a personal decision that you cry out to him and say, Lord Jesus, save me. And you say, Pastor, but I don't understand it all. Well, I don't either, and I have like three degrees in theology. What I know is you put your faith in him, and he will save you. And you say, Pastor, well, I don't deserve it. And you go, well, that's the whole point. If you deserved it, he wouldn't have died for you. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. Easter is the impossible. Made possible, not just for the world, but made possible for you and you watching online. I'd like to ask you to bow your heads. You'll close your eyes. I'd like you still to listen, even if you're watching online. It would be horrible if you left here and Jesus wasn't the person that you have put your faith in for eternal life. You know the facts. He died for your sins and he rose from the grave. He conquered death. But I ask you, does he reside in your heart, in your life? If you're unsure, why not right now, in a quiet moment, in your heart, cry out, Lord Jesus, save I believe you died and rose again. I have faith in you. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have made the impossible 
of us being made perfect forever possible. But Lord, may it never become ordinary to us. We love you, Lord Jesus. Amen.